Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and today I'm joined by a guest. We have Nick Weiger from the Doughboys podcast. Really excited to speak with you. How are you doing, Nick? Doug, I'm doing great. Thanks for listening <laughs> to our show. Of course. No, it's fantastic. Um, I guess, well, for our listener who might not be familiar with you and your work, can you give us a little elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Hmm, boy. Wish I was better at this. Uh, I... I <laughs> I don't have a great pitch on, I mean, uh, uh, something that makes me sound interesting, but just roughly biographically, I'm from Southern California, where I still reside, uh, and I initially, after college, worked in the video game industry, so I was a, 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 a initially at Activision a customer support rep, answering phone calls from frustrated parents about why the Tony Hawk Pro Skater of uh, game that they bought for the xbox won't work on their son's gamecube um and then i uh after that i was a game tester for a little bit and then i moved on to be a game designer for a now defunct probably rightfully defunct company called seven studios which made a lot of had some, there were some very talented people who work there uh some very very talented programmers and artists and designers who have gone on to work for great companies and do great things uh, but the the company itself was kind of saddled with a lot of bad licensed games. So okay. I worked on Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, I was I was a game designer in both of those. I was lead level designer on Pirates of the Caribbean: The Legend of Jack Sparrow, oh, the wow. thrilling tale that bridges the gap between the first two Pirates movies and right. features the voice of Johnny Depp and no other cast members. Uh, so that was fun. And then I worked on, I have a credit, although I only briefly worked on it, on The Sopranos Road to Respect, a rather infamously bad licensed game, which was initially pitched as kind of a telltale style ad, uh, adventure driven by conversation, a sort of interactive visual novel, and eventually turned into basically Grand Theft Auto New Jersey, which is what the the publisher THQ wanted. They just wanted like a beat 'em up where you walked around as this character Joey Nails, an invented <laughs> protagonist, um, beating up characters in the Sopranos universe as you tried to rise in the ranks of the Soprano uh, crime fra- crime family. So that was my my video game career, my not particularly successful video game career, and from that I transitioned to a, a particularly not particularly successful comedy writing career, uh, where I've been, I've worked on. Most recently, Comedy Central's At Midnight. I also worked for a, a website called Funny or Die for a while. I used to be a contributing writer to The Onion um, and have worked on Comedy Bang Bang for IFC, uh, as well as a number of other shows here and there. That is one hell of a pitch for yourself and all of that. like That's right in our wheelhouse as we're a comedy video game podcast. So you are more than welcome. We're so happy to have you on the show. Um, but about your uh, video game background and stuff, right. one of the questions I had was, do you miss it? And what was the initial reason you transitioned from video game design and that whole scene into the comedy world? Well, I mean, I miss it in, in some ways. I don't miss it because it was the most punishing hours I ever worked. Oh, sure. And, you know, especially during crunch. And if you're working on a bad game, <laughs> it's particularly infuriating that you're you're there and everyone knows when you're working on something that's bad. And I've experienced this in TV as well as I've, I've worked on some bad TV shows. Like when you're working on something that's bad, no one knows that it's bad more intimately than the people who are closest to it. Right. Like, 
it's some sometimes if someone's blinded, but that's usually like the one person at the head of uh, that's in charge of things. Like maybe the showrunner, or the executive producer, or the lead designer doesn't quite like it's their vision and they think this is going great and they're happy about it but everyone down there i mean like the guy holding the boom mic knows if something (laughs) sucks you know what i mean and it's the same sort of thing in video game design where just like someone the 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 guy who's just doing uh ui programming just like that guy has a good sense of what they're what he's making and and knows if something's just flawed so yeah that's the part of it i don't uh, I don't like. I think that's that would be considerably more rewarding if you were working on a good game. I never had the pleasure of really working on a game I'd be excited to play. Oh, but, bummer. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I do miss it in some ways because it, it's it was a cool, creative, interesting field. And what I always thought of as a kid who you know had a, a Nintendo Entertainment System when I was uh, very young, thanks to having an older brother and a dad who loved technology. Um, I, I, as someone who really, who grew up playing video games and loving video games, I I thought it was like what I wanted to do. As far as why I transitioned over to a different career, I think it was more that it was partly that I was getting bored, uh, and also partly that I felt like I didn't have a, a great way to ascend in that industry, but also that I'd just kind of been taking improv comedy classes almost just for fun and kind of as a lark. And found that I was having some success at it and and so there reached a point where I kind of needed to make a decision if I was going to stick around at this this company that eventually folded or whether or not I was going to move on and pursue this other thing that I thought I might have some success at and for better or for worse I decided to to take a go at comedy writing. Wow, that's really interesting and fantastic. So, you mentioned in there that uh Nintendo I think you said was the game system you recall as a child. Was that right. the first system you played and what Games would you say like define you as a gamer uh, growing up? Oh, that's a good question. Well, uh, the NES was probably what I sunk the most hours into as a kid, as a preteen. I would say that my first gaming was actually more on the PC side because you know my dad had a uh, my dad worked at university and he we always had a computer in our house for as long as I could remember. You know, even there there was a time and I don't know how old you are, Doug. But like, if you were if you're born in the '80s, there was a time when not every family even had a computer, where that was a curiosity for a time. Yep, I am 28. I was in, I was born in '89, so barely okay. the '80s. But yes, right. I do recall the time in my life when we didn't have a computer, and when it came to our household, it was like a big deal. Right, it was like a revelation. Then for a, yes. for most of for most of my childhood, we had a computer with no internet access. So like, it wasn't a thing till we got later, where we uh, till later when we got a modem, and that was its own thing when we had dial up. And, you know, you could spend 45 minutes downloading a JPEG if you wanted. Oh, I don't uh, but, miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and I didn't really have broadband until I got to college. Like, that was my first experience with that. So, uh, but yes, to, to trace it back to what we were, to what you originally asked. Uh, so, my first gaming was PC gaming. My, my dad was an early adopter. And I remember playing games on the Commodore 64. I want to say there was a game called Wizard of Id, but I know that's the name of a comic strip. I can't really remember. There's a game called Wizard in it that I remember as being kind of the first game that I, I messed around with. And this other one, uh, this other game that I looked up, Radon Bungling Bay. This was a, Whoa. this was like an old, it was essentially like a 1943, like a top down shooter. Um, but just like a very old school uh, PC version of that. So that that was kind of the first gaming I remember. Uh, and then this wizard game was sort of like a top-down, you know, sort of sort of like a gauntlet clone, uh, although with, with worse graphics. Gotcha. 
And then the games that kind of defined me growing up, I mean, I, I was a huge Mario kid, loved Mario, uh, loved the NES Marios, loved Super Mario World. Super Mario World still might be my favorite Mario. It's it's definitely top two or top three for me. Uh, and, um, you know, Zelda as well. I'd say Final Fantasy 1 and also Dragon Warrior, which is what they rebranded Dragon Quest 1 as in the U.S., were big influences on me because they got me into RPGs. And I played a lot of RPGs, not just on NES, uh, but also, you know, on the PC. I spent a lot of time playing uh, uh, the Might and Magic series, the Wizardry series, Might and Magic World of Zine, I guess, so that, which was a combination of micro, Might and Magic Clouds of Zine and micro, Might and Magic Dark Side of Zine, uh, might be another one I'd, I'd consider as kind of like a defining gaming experience for me as a teen. That's really cool. And yeah, I personally, as an RPG lover, I can relate. I did play the original Final Fantasy, and that it is still it still holds up. Um, yeah. But so, I guess, what about modern gaming uh do you find yourself still playing video games do you still have that passion uh and what kind of systems are you playing these days i'll say this like once it reached a point where i had a playstation controller on my desk at work it became less of an exciting thing for me to do as a as a hobby as a pastime so i definitely you know and i think this is that's the kind of thing the the cliche i'd hear about bartenders is that bartenders are either like uh, stone sober or complete alcoholics because you just <laughs> sort of like you you it, it either becomes work for you or or it becomes it's it's like too like it's too much and I think I see I kind of experienced the same sort of thing in gaming I had you know colleagues and coworkers who were just gaming constantly and it was all they wanted to talk about there we actually had a guy who got fired at my company because uh, they found out that he was just sleeping in the handicap stall during the day. So that he could get rest to, to do WoW raids all night. Oh and, my god! Yeah, and it was it was just crazy. And and so like you know there there there's certainly the people who are just total gaming addicts, and then working in the industry exacerbates uh, that problem for them. For me, I kind of had the effect of it was a it was a nulling, uh, numbing sort of effect where I I just wanted less to do with games, and I found myself not gaming at all for a stretch. Right. Or just just basically just replaying Diablo two because it was a kind of thing I could play you know without I thinking hear that about it so much and that, and that was a game that when Diablo three came out I don't know if you share this but like it just didn't it didn't it wasn't the game I wanted all along and there's a few other games that have gotten close like Grim Dawn and some others but it's just like I love Diablo two goddamn I wish Diablo yeah. three was more or less the game I was hoping it would be yeah I mean I I actually ended up and especially after some patches and I, I played it mostly on on PlayStation. Uh, actually, because I really like that direct control scheme they had. But the, the, I, I mean, I think after some patches, I thought Diablo 3 ended up being pretty fun. Not as good as Diablo 2. I mean, Diablo 2 was just so endlessly replayable, and you could just obsess over your builds and, you totally. know, stock up on... What was it? The Stone of Jordan? What was the thing that became the de facto oh, currency? There was, like, some... Yeah, some unique ring that everyone was using, because gold just became a thing you just didn't have room for anymore. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I play the shit out of that. I played too much of that. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, but um, so are you? Uh, I guess are you currently gaming these days? As like, are you into the Nintendo Switch? Any of that kind of stuff? Oh, I love the Switch. The Switch is my favorite console I've owned since the PlayStation Two. It is fantastic. And 
this is the thing, and, and, and on my podcast, Doughboys, my co-host, Mike Mitchell, we're both big Nintendo fans. Uh, he rightfully, repeatedly owns me about this because I erroneously predicted that the Switch was going to be an even bigger bomb than the Wii U, just based off of Nintendo's trajectory. I was like, okay, their systems keep getting worse and worse. And the, the Switch just looks like a gimmick. The Wii U was a, was a gimmick. This looks like an even worse gimmick. Switch came out. Switch is fantastic. I'm so happy to be wrong about it. But I, 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 didn't, I thought it was going to crash and burn again. I was in the exact same boat, Nick. It's so funny that you say that because um, earlier on in my podcast, everyone, at least my co-host would uh, tease me and say, oh, you're like anti-Nintendo. I'm like, I'm really not. I just, I personally don't see the Switch succeeding. And then as soon as right. I got my hands on one, it changed my mind. And I was just like, yeah. like you said, happy to be wrong. It was like, wow, this, it, it it's a game changer in the gaming industry. I'm really excited for the future, what they did. It's, I, I don't know. It, it does need more games. I would love to see Netflix and Hulu and all that kind of jazz. And I would definitely like to see a better communication system because the whole app and whatever you have to do now is just absolutely absurd. But then right. again, the whole reason being is because they're trying to protect children from like assholes online and stuff. Sure, yeah, which which I get to some degree, but it would be nice if they if they kind of fix some of their interface and, and their online infrastructure issues, which has been a, a Nintendo thing for a long time. But yeah, it is. I mean, it is so fun and so playable. And like a multi-platform game is just more fun on the Switch for some reason. And also too, just the fact that I could take like, uh, uh, you know, I could take Mario plus Rabbids and I played most of that game on two cross-country flights. Like the fact that I was just like, I had a full-size console game or essentially like a full-scale console game that I was just playing in my lap on a plane. The totally. novelty of that has not worn off for me and I, I don't anticipate it wearing off anytime soon. Definitely not. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, it's rad. One thing, I forget which podcast I heard you speak about this on, but uh, someone asked you about Skyrim or something, and you said the last Elder Scrolls game you played was Daggerfall. It's for true. Listeners, that's yeah. number two, before even Morrowind, which is my first introduction right. to the series. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, you have a Switch. Are you going to ever get around to playing Skyrim? Do you have any interest in Elder Scrolls beyond Daggerfall? I might. I really did let, you know, right. This is how, and this, this makes me sound old because I am, I'm 37, I'm old. Uh, but the, the, so the only Elder Scrolls games I played were the first two Elder Scrolls Arena, which was this very anemic, uh, open world RPG. It was basically before anyone had the, uh, the computing horsepower to really to like sustain an open world RPG and, and make that sort of design, uh, uh playable. And right. so there was that. It was just a little too ambitious for its time. And then Daggerfall, which was also too ambitious for its time, but a lot better and more defined. But also, too, it was just like so buggy. That was maybe one of the buggiest uh, lot, like games I ever got at release. It was just basically unplayable until you oh, got multiple damn. patches. And also, too, there was a time, I don't know if this, if Daggerfall, this was the case. I, I don't remember the exact uh, year for this, but as I was mentioning, having a computer without internet access, there was a time when I would get patches for games by writing a letter to a company and <laughs> and and mailing it to them, like in the mail. I could put a stamp on an envelope and send it over, uh, you know, shit. to a publisher. Sending this to Electronic Arts, and then like uh, like three weeks later, I'd receive a three and a half floppy disk in the mail from Electronic Arts that had a patch for, you know. Uh, whatever flight simulator or RPG I was playing at the time, it was just such a crude, complicated system. I remember receiving the patch for this strategy game, Master of Magic, uh, through the mail, and it was such an exciting day because this you know game that crashed all the time was suddenly going to be playable. 
Um, Holy shit! Yeah, and it, it, it's it was just it was insane that PC gaming used that system for for a while, and and it kind of I guess worked, but. Uh, but yeah, those, so those are the only two Elder Scrolls games I played were Arena and Daggerfall. And then the only Fallouts I've played are 1 and 2 as well, Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. And so I've just recently started playing New Vegas. I'm literally like an hour into New Vegas. Like, oh, like, nice. You know, yeah, like uh, I, I asked online for a recommendation for a Fallout game if I liked the first two, and everyone was saying that was the one that was most like the old school ones. Um, Definitely. And yeah, I'll, I'll probably do the same thing and, and catch up to the, the uh, catch up on the, the Elder Scrolls series at well, as well at some point. You know, I, I'm, I'm. We talked about my career arc earlier, and I kind of went from video games to comedy writing, and right now I'm in the third part of my arc, which is unemployment. So I have ample, ample time for games, and uh, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll make use of that for now. Yeah, rekindle that passion. Right. Um, I think it's if you do revisit Elder Scrolls, I wouldn't be the guy to be to say, oh, just go to Skyrim. I would say start at Morrowind if you oh, are capable. If you're capable of, like, handling the graphics, a lot of people that I've said that to are like, oh, man, these graphics don't hold up. I can barely stand the the fighting system and everything. But there's some – and you might need a guide for Marwan because it is really in-depth and insane. But, like, goddamn, if the story's not great, the world, the environment, maybe it was just nostalgia for me because, like, as a kid, it was just the first, like, real open-world experience for me and it just blew my right. goddamn mind. Um, So, yeah, definitely uh consider revisiting the Elder Scrolls. Um. But okay, I guess we can kind of segue into more of less your comedy slash podcasting background. Now, how did you meet Mike Mitchell and how did Doughboys begin? Did you ever even anticipate becoming a podcaster? Um, not really. I think it was it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, people are doing this now. Let's say it seems like a thing to try out. And it is fun to just sort of I'm sure people are 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 hearing me and and understanding how much fun I have just like rambling, and so having a platform to ramble endlessly is is pretty nice. So Definitely. I I uh, so so we had Mike Mitchell and I met originally. We both had sketch comedy groups that performed at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles, which is like this indie comedy theater of some renown, and. We met just through doing kind of, you know, shows there, and then eventually we ended up in a situation where his comedy group, The Birthday Boys, uh, which went on to have an, a, a TV show on IFC for a couple of seasons, and my sketch group uh, called A Kiss From Daddy, uh, we, we were sharing an hour uh, slot every month where his, his group would do a half hour sketches, and then our group would do a half hour sketches. So we were interacting, you know, pretty frequently via that, and, you know, we're just sort of friends with each other. And then we, after those show, the run of that show ended, uh, this was years later, but we just were sort of talking and we were thinking about just like, honestly, just thinking of a way to work together. It was, it'd be, the podcast began as abstract as that. It's like, oh, it'd be fun to work together on something because we were friends and we had this kind of, you know, uh, playful rivalry that we that we had fun with and so we were just sort of which has become more of like an actual intense rivalry as we work together more but we we uh so then we just started talking and and we were just talking about the various things that we are fans of and enjoy and we landed on food because we are you know we're, we're both dudes who are kind of gluttonous and love to eat and i i used to be a a pretty heavy guy and and it, honestly like outside of video games and TV, it's food is one of my passions. So our podcast, Doughboys, is about chain restaurants and fast food. And we actually like landed on that concept when we were having lunch together at a cheesecake factory. Uh, that's where we kind of had that eureka moment, like, oh, okay, this is what this this could be about. 
Uh, and then, you know, that ended up being a very weirdly life-altering decision that we, we did this <laughs> chain restaurant podcast, but here we are. That is so fantastic. That's really yeah. cool. And one thing that uh, I really enjoy about your podcast, and I actually just joined the Golden Plate Club today. Oh, uh, welcome that aboard. You, yeah, you guys have a double feed. You do this thing called the Doughboy Doubles, where it's just extra episodes. Um, yes. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, with the, I, we're not the one the people to innovate this model. I, I've seen certainly other I, I've seen other podcasts do this where they have you know one free weekly episode and one you know additional episode that is a bonus episode that you get by by being a paid subscriber. Um, and so we we sort of like oh well, we'll figure out a way to do that, but uh, you know our angle on it is we wanted to kind of have it feel different than what our normal episodes are. So our regular episodes will like dedicate a whole hour uh, and change more like 90 minutes actually of time to just like reviewing Red Lobster. We'll go to Red Lobster with a guest and we'll talk about how, you know, how we received it and how we liked the food and how it synced up with our memories of eating there as kids. And, and, you know, we'll do the same thing for any variety of restaurants, uh, you know, Wendy's or Wiener Schnitzel or, our very awkward experience as adult men uh, eating at a Chuck E. Cheese without children. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll get into all that. Uh, but then for our double episodes, we'll have like a narrower focus that will sometimes maybe not even be food related at all. So you know, we just our most recent episode as of this recording is we just put we went to see the Last Jedi and we reviewed yes. the Last Jedi. So we'll do we'll do those sorts of. Uh, tangents, or we'll just talk about, you know, hey, they came out with six new varieties of Cheetos. We're just going to taste test all these Cheetos, and we'll, we'll give our thoughts on that. Um, you know, so it's, it's all our podcast is very stupid, and then our doubles get to be particularly stupid and, and narrowly focused. Oh, uh, and the Star Wars one is what sold me too, because I'm like, I love you guys when you branch off and like get into like little tangents and stuff. When it, whether it's Star Wars or whatever, it's always right. great hearing your guys' opinions. So. Having that outlet to have a, an extra bonus area where you can kind of go off on those tangents more freely, that's pretty cool. Um, so, and then one thing I noticed, and I don't know the exact specifics, and we don't need to necessarily go into it, but I, I realized that Doughboys is leaving Feral Audio, uh, the, the network you've been a part of for, I guess, since the beginning. My question is, are you planning on joining another network, or do you intend on existing independently, seeing how you guys have such a strong community and fan base uh, and a support at Patreon? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, good question. I mean, my honest, this is me being completely candid. I don't know what we're going to do right now. We're, we're you know, this uh, our departure from our previous network uh, was pretty sudden and unexpected, so we're just sort of figuring it out. Right now, we have the infrastructure to be able to support ourselves independently so we're just kind of doing that for now just to kind of keep the podcast going and then if we decide to if we find another network that's a good fit um we'd be open to doing that but we'd want to make sure it's the kind of situation that's right for us so i, I know that that sounds like a very a political sort of dancing around something answer but it, it's honestly coming from a place of we just haven't decided yet and we haven't really had the time to figure out the best solution that makes complete sense to me, but is one of the options that you guys are considering is starting your own network? I think that could be something great. I'm not necessarily sure if it would make any sense at all, but I'm sure right. fans of yours would be like, do it. Oh, man. I I mean, I just can't imagine Mitch and I having something even larger that we have to work together on. Like, we have oh, to, geez. like, the two of us have to collaborate on overseeing a network of shows. That sounds, uh, that sounds like an issue, but I mean, I, I, I could... <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I I think I think probably at least in the short to medium term, if we were going to be independent, it, we would just try to keep it kind of simple and and just kind of try to 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 focus on our own show and make sure that that retains 
its same low level of quality uh, as we keep it going. Fair enough. So seeing how you and Mike are both comedians, when was the defining moment where you're like, let's take Doughboys and offer it as a live experience? Um, That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if we really th- put that much thought into it. I think because we'd both done so much live comedy and probably, you know, we've, we've, each, I mean, I, I feel like I've probably done a thousand live comedy shows. I, I, they, you just sort of like get a point where you just, it becomes a thing of like, okay, well, yeah, well, let, let's put this up. So I think we were, uh, it being a thing that we, that I don't really do at all anymore. Mitch still does with some regularity, but it, it being a thing we had done I've, and knowing that there was like people, there were people asking for us to do it. We we're just like, all right, let's, let's see what happens if we put this up in front of an audience. And uh, I had the answer is that, what happens is people get extremely drunk and <laughs> no shit. We, have, we have some very, very shit faced fans apparently, uh, but yep. it's a lot of fun. We've been having a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. I really like the live episodes. I also like the ones when you guys go to the actual uh, establishments and eat. I know certain fans like always tweet at you guys like, Oh, I hate the sound of eating, but it's like, well, don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> right. But anyway, um, and as a personal fan question, because we've had Gabrus on our show probably a year or two ago at this point. Um, Love Gabrus. Yeah, same here. He's such a funny guy. Um, Great dude. One thing I noticed you tweet about was when uh, weed became legal in Carolina, or Carolina, what am I saying? California. Um, you mentioned like, oh, I might try this stuff out. And then Gabrus was right on it, like, come over whenever. Did you get a chance to smoke with the Gabrus? Um, well, not yet. Although I did informally, we did, Gabrus and I did a, I, I was in a live version of his podcast, High and Mighty, which is a, is, was a great funny show, but I did a high, I did a live version of High and Mighty, and then I got a little High and Mighty with him backstage afterwards. So that was fun. That was a fun treat. That was my first time, uh, smoking the ganja for in quite a while. Uh, oh, was this the power hour? Yeah, this was after the power hour when we, oh, we, we drank like 60. So was, I was pretty buzzed already because we drank 60 shots of beer in 60 minutes. So, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know if I really particularly picked out the effect from this potent strain of marijuana he had. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're trying to set it up. A, it, I mean, it's the lamest thing to do that I'm trying to set up basically a weed <laughs> consultation with my friend. Uh, but I'll probably go over to his place. At some point, you know, if my wife lets me and, and we'll, uh, we'll have some, we'll toke up. As fans of both of you, I just want you to like live stream it. That sounds so goddamn <laughs> funny and great. Um, one of the, th- we mentioned the, the power hour. And I mean, I have a handful of listener submitted questions here. So I guess we can kind of dive into some of those. And a few of them are a little blue. And I'm just going to, the thing is, it's about the power hour. You dropped right. some pretty interesting fact about yourself. Do you like? Do you have any regrets about saying anything that night, or do, are you like going to stand by it and it's not an issue? Um, and for our listener, I guess yeah. I should probably let him know. He said he can suck in his own dick, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And it was like probably like the defining moment. I know I'm in a Facebook group that's like obsessed with all Earwolf and uh-huh. uh, like yeah, the uh, Doughboys included. My brother, my brother, me, like all these stuff, and like the whole place was like in an uproar, being like, "This is insane." <laughs> Uh, the way, yeah, and I just want to be clear, just be clear, because you know, I, I don't want people to read that as like me as a some sort of like skeezy orgy guy who's like yeah. always talking about his sex capades. <laughs> no, I'm quite the not. prude. Uh, yeah. I, my lips were loosened because I'd had a you know the equivalent of a six pack of alcoholic beverages over the course of of one hour. Uh, so I yeah no, but also too, this was a uh, this was more of a thing that that I I. Uh, for me, it, w- it was something that came from youthful experimentation more so than like, you know, any sort of 
uh, weird, freaky thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't. Reg- I think at, like right afterwards, I was like, oh, that was kind of a crazy thing to share. But also, we were in the context of it was the very end of the show. Everyone was really drunk, and Gabriel uh, and it was actually uh, Mono, uh, Mono Gapian, a very, very funny dude who was also on the show, just said out of nowhere, like, let's all share a secret that we've never told anyone. And yep. so, like, kind of having that big thing out there, I was like, well, Jesus, I had, what do I have, you know? And so it was sort of searching my my brain uh, for something that I felt like would actually uh, be interesting to hear. And, and and I landed on that for better or worse. So do I regret it? I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> like, in the, the larger thing is, like, do I regret starting a podcast that kind of exposed me to this sort of situation where right. I'd, I'd be routinely sharing intensely personal details uh, with a with a audience of strangers, and uh, I guess my answer to that is yes, I do. Oh, regret, I do regret that. I don't know. What well, are you gonna do? That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Here's a question. I'm gonna just start going down these. Um, we have Zach Kaplan, which this one is blue. Sorry, listener. Just prepare yourself. He says, "I don't expect you to actually ask him this, but I would love to know if Doughboys will ever cover Weiger's load in his own mouth after Jesus he sets his own disc. Christ. If he can't." But or if he can't because it's technically not fast food since he tries to delay his come as long as possible. So he deserves a shout out. What uh, kind I should have asked this. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. That was my own fault. Um, and Zach Kaplan's probably laughing his ass off, being I like, "I can't believe be you actually about, asked that." I thought we were gonna be talking about Cuphead or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, here's a more video game related one. Yeah. Uh, what, who's your favorite Koopa kid? Ooh, boy, that's a really good question. Um, that's from Evan Colton. Evan, thank you for that palate cleanser. I appreciate yeah, it. I'm so sorry for the <laughs> No, you don't need to apologize. You got nothing to apologize for. Uh, so Mitch and I actually did improv for a long time. He still does improv. I don't do improv anymore because I, I feel I find it kind of like weird and, and uh, just embarrassing for me to do personally, uh, but did it for a long time. And we once did a two-person improv show. It's the only time just the two of us have done that. And the name of our team name was Morton Koopa Jr., uh, that's how we were introduced. So I guess honestly, I'd probably say Morton Koopa Jr. is is nice. my answer. I like that he's that's got a cool. yeah. I like that he's a but but I I like that he is derived from um, Morton Downey Jr., which who is a weird like t- <laughs> like he was a weird <laughs> talk show host in the eighties. He was kind of like the fir- like the the uh, you know precursor to Jerry Springer. And so it, I like that he's kind of frozen in time in that in that way of like no one even knows what the reference is anymore. But yeah, he that, that's what he comes from. I also like I guess I like Ludwig von Koop a little bit too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's stick with Morton. Okay, that's a good answer. Um, uh, we also have Dan Sath asks ask him if he'd fuck or ever thought about fucking Rouge the Bat. Mm. You know, I'm not really I, I'm not a furry. Uh, you know, nothing against the furry culture, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess maybe for curiosity's sense, if if we were in a situation where Rouge the Bat came to life and uh, was sexually interested in me, and I got a hall pass from the misses, uh, then yeah, I, I think probably why not? That's a story. Yeah. Okay, that's a good answer. Um. Oh, Shannon Williams asks, "Why are you doing this podcast?" Because she asked me to ask you that. <laughs> Uh, you, uh, you asked me, and you were very nice about it. I, I don't know, and it's not that much of a time commitment. I'm doing this from Skype from my desk. Otherwise, I'd be playing Fallout New Vegas or, you know, uh, uh, reading something. I don't know. I mean, this is because it was it was pretty easy, and and you were you asked nicely. So yeah, I guess if someone is interested in having a person on their podcast, uh, be polite about it. That's cool. Yes, thanks for spending your time with us. 
Um, so I got a couple more questions here for you. Would you ever, uh, this is from Gus Voorhees. Uh, would you ever consider making a Doughboys game and what would it be? Mm. He also asked, would you fuck Rouge the Bat in it? But uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in these questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be. Uh, just just thinking of of you know it'd be how to be something me and Mitch would both agree to and so I, I think for that reason it would probably end up being a platformer because that's that's a, a genre both of us really like uh, and can agree on and, and so yeah I, I think we'd probably yeah I, I would say I would say a platformer sat, slash beat 'em up or maybe you know what maybe maybe what it would be is like an old school fighting game. Uh, like, you know, back in the day when they, they had like those, there was that game just called like karate or whatever that that arcade game. And it w- they didn't have enough memory for multiple characters. So it was just a fighting game where it was always the same two players. So some game where it was just, it, it's just a, a 2D fighting game where it's me and Mitch and we just beat the shit out of each other. And also it never ends. It's just, it's just us repeatedly pummeling each other uh, for uh, until the, the machine runs out of, of, of power. Oh, I hope that gets made, and you'll have a lot of people buying it. Um, Keith Kelly asks, would you ever do a Twitch channel or live stream video games? Boy, you know, I I get so self-conscious doing things on camera like that because I just feel like I, I look like shit. And I just, it, it's such a it's such a thing to get self-conscious about. Like, I, I feel like a... You know, I, I've been on camera. I've 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 acted a little bit for for you know TV and internet videos and and branded content or whatever. And those are always situations where you've got a professional director of photography and makeup artists and and you know uh, uh, hairdressers and everyone's and wardrobe are uh, you know people who are trying to make you look as good as possible on camera, or at least as appropriate as possible on camera. And I feel like if I had to take care of that myself, I would just like end up I, like anytime I see myself accidentally on FaceTime or whatever, I just am like, oh, God, I don't want to be staring at this for, you know, four hours at a time. Right. That makes sense. Um, and that's the thing. When I live stream, I don't set up the whole green screen and camera. I just like to have just my audio going. I put on a headset and put, people watch the game. They don't need to see me. <laughs> oh, OK, that's one way to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess I'm open to it. The other thing, too, is I get really frustrated if I'm struggling with something and then I feel, so I feel like I just get so mad at chat. If like, I was like, Oh, fucking up on something and people were, were being mean to me. I would just like lose my mind. So I, I, I don't know if I want to add that aggravation to my life. That makes sense. Perfect sense to me. And yeah, you'd have such an, a large audience right off the bat, like tuning in. So it, it definitely, that could be a problem. And I don't know, I'm currently playing kingdom hearts right now and some of the bosses i'm playing on proud mode too the bosses i just have to keep fighting them over and over again as i'm streaming and i'm like is this even interesting to anyone watching me just fuck up right. over and over so i'm like god damn it so anyway a couple more tim stack asks what were some of the crazy things written for comedy bang bang tv that didn't make it to the show hmm. you know i wrote this bit that i really thought we had tony hawk on as a guest he was great and he yes. was so he was so uh so friendly and just very game uh, but, you know, the way the show would work is that you'd write bits and then basically the, they would go to the head writer, Neil Campbell. And if he liked something, he'd take it to Scott Ackerman. And then if Scott liked it, then they'd take it to the guest. Uh, if it was a guest bit, then the guest would sign off on it. So, And, you know, sometimes it was a bit that didn't involve a guest and then, you know, Scott would have the final say so. But if it was a guest, then, you know, they wanted to make sure that whoever that was was comfortable and wasn't blindsided by something on set. And it was something they thought was would they they'd get the joke of because that would always make it make something work better. Uh anyway, so I wrote this bit that 
that got killed by Scott um, that was for Tony Hawk. And this was, it was so stupid, but I was really hoping it would get made. And it was <laughs> that, uh, it was that Tony, Tony's like, uh, uh, Scott's like, man, it's so great to have you here, uh, uh, Tony. And, you know, you're such a great skater. And he's like, hey, what can I say? I'm Coney Hawk. And Scott's like, I'm sorry, did you say Coney Hawk? Yeah. And he's like, uh, no, I mean, I meant Tony. I meant Tony. Like, and Scott's like, are you Coney? And then, and then, uh, Tony's like, so he's like, no, I'm not Coney. And he's like, like, what? You're Coney. And then Scott's like, you got him. We got him. You got Coney, everybody. And then he called in, uh, the, you know, Department of Homeland Security to come in and try and arrest Coney. Uh, but then, uh, Tony Hawk turned into a hawk and flew away. So (laughs) it was, I was like, I was like, this is great. This is so perfectly stupid. Uh, but I think it was just like a little too stupid. And also I think in my retelling, I was like, eh, Maybe that maybe it's good that we didn't make that. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> so. I could. I wish that that could have been in at least yeah. like a deleted scene or something. That sounds fantastic. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, but most of what I wrote for Comedy Bang Bang got cut. So there's there's many many options uh, I could pull from. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean there there were a lot of great bits on that show that you know some that got made and 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 others that didn't. But I think that's the nature of writing anything. That makes perfect sense. Um, last fan submitted question: Where is the USB port on your body? Oh come on! I don't know what that's from or referencing. Unfortunately, that's a referencing that I'm that I'm some sort of robot or automaton. Who sent oh, that geez. question? Oh, that, that was Brian Bur. Oh, I can't say your last name, Brian. Brian Baronado. Brian, get it together, buddy. I'm oh, a man with flesh and blood. The only orifices in my body are the ones that you have. So you know, knock it off. Oh, and Jim Shylander asks ask him if he has any experience working in labs late at night. <laughs> oh Jesus! Is that in regard to the monster fuck? Yeah, I have this. Yeah, I think that's what that's referencing pretty clearly. Fantastic. Um. All right. Well, then let's play a little audio quiz called "What's That Sound?" Ooh, fun. Alright, so we're playing What's That Sound. I got a handful of sounds for you, Nick, to see if you can determine what video games these are from. Uh, some of these are a l- little easier. Hopefully you can win. I know a lot of people in the past say this game's too hard, but let me know what you think of sound number one. Right. Alright. Sound number one. I mean, I'm pretty confident that that's the Power Moon Get sound from Super Mario Odyssey. It like, is. Correct? Oh, that was absolutely. And that's the thing. Usually we only ask what game it is, but you even knew what the action was. That's awesome. Yep. That, right. that is definitely from Super Mario Odyssey. Did you happen to beat that game? I did. I haven't gotten every single Power Moon yet. I, I you know, I got towards some of the late game content and then I kind of got uh, pulled away trying to play some other, getting started on some other games. But yeah, I should go back and I should finish off the rest of those Power Moons because I'm, I'm, you know, pretty, pretty close to the end it, uh, outside of the uh, the very uh, onerous final level. I think I can. I, I'm pretty close. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I. I'm not sure. I thought there was somebody telling me that like the power moves are infinite, but I. I. I beat the game myself, but I don't know. I'm in the kind of like after game mode where you just keep getting power moves and stuff. So right. I don't know. I'm gonna have to get back to that too and see how many I can collect. Um. It. Yeah. It. It caps out at like 9.99 is my understanding, but you can continue to get them after that. So. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. All right, well then, you you nailed sound number one. If you get this next sound, you win automatically, but we'll play through them all anyway. But let's see what you make of sound number two now. 
Okay. Oh, boy, that is tough. Let me hear that one again. Yeah, we can play it twice. And the thing about this is this one is hard, and it has a helper sound. So if you can't just figure out the game just by that sound effect alone, I have a more obvious one that we can play. But let's take, you get three guesses. Let's take two of those guesses. If you can't get them on your first guesses, we'll play a helper sound. Okay, so I do have a little bit of a gap in my gaming knowledge, as we, as we, uh, as I alluded to earlier, kind of roughly beginning in the mid two thousands to, uh, you know, the uh, early twenty tens. So I'm going to say that it probably came from that era. I'm just going to guess it's some sort of sci-fi game because it sounded like some sort of ship taking off. And I am going to attribute it to a game that I haven't played, uh, a franchise that I haven't haven't played. I'm just going to say it's Mass Effect 2. Solid guess, and I really appreciate like the deducing you did there, but it's not correct. But let's take mm. one more, and then we'll play this helper sound, which I have a feeling is going to really help you out. Okay, my second guess is I'm going to say... Uh, it's it's from it's from one of the Ace Combat games. I'm going to say Ace Combat Three. I'm assuming there's an Ace Combat Three. There there should be, and and that's the thing. Usually in this game, we will take the franchise if you guess it right. But that's okay. not it. All right, but so let's play the helper clip for sound number two now. All right, let me try this one. Enemy factory is inside the pyramid. I can send reinforcements if you don't think you can handle it. All right, this has got to be Sonic, right? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm glad you nailed that one. Which yep, it's a- That's actually Sonic Forces, if I'm not mistaken. Sonic Forces, okay. It's, I think that's the fan one with like where you make your own character. I, right. I, don't, I don't really follow, but I know, uh, I don't know, people are asking you about Rouge the Bat, so I had to <laughs> throw a Sonic game in there. I haven't played Sonic Forces yet, uh, but I love Sonic Mania. That was a real hoot. Nice. All right, well, you already win, but let's see what you make of sound number three to try to go for the hat trick. Ooh, let me see if we can do the trifecta. <laughs> ah. Now, this one's short mm. and very... Um, I, I think you've played this game. There's some sort of laughter slash emoting accompanied by what I assume is a dialogue box being filled in. I'm going to listen to it one more time. Yep. <laughs> ah. And this also has a helper sound, but the helper sound basically gives it away. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, it, it partly, you know, knowing that it's it's something that doesn't have full voice and it's got a lot of text and, and you giving me that big hint that it's something that I played before, which means it's something that I've uh, probably posted about on social media. I'm yep. going to say that one was Dream Daddy. It is. Oh, the trifecta. You've can done I, it. Can I hear the helper sound just to yeah, hear let's it? Play, yeah, let's play it for our listener too. All right, here we go. The iconic theme song. <laughs> it's so it's so fresh. I love it. I don't know that game. It's silly. Um, 
All right, but that's how we play. What's that sound? All right, that was a solid episode. I can't thank you for joining us enough, Nick. Um, I do have one final Doughboys-related question, and it's as somebody who found the podcast kind of later on, I'm digging through the backlog. I think I'm like 30% through getting closer to 40. But can you explain to me the whole where the Spoon Nation and Burger Brigade began? Uh, I think that was pretty early on, and Mitch just pretty... I think within the first 10 to 20 episodes, just decided to start calling himself the Spoon Man. Uh, Just wanted to give himself a nickname. And then at some point, we were like, okay, if you're the Spoon Man, you need some sort of... You need some sort of name for your army slash, you know, cult following. And I think, you know, one of us brought up Spoon Nation, and that sort of became it. And then as far as Burger Boy and Burger Brigade, that actually came from Mitch as well, because he wanted to give me a nickname, and I said I didn't want one, so he just decided that I was the Burger Boy, and then I just sort of uh, ran with it, partly to to keep him from using it as something to needle me with, so I just sort of uh, started to own it myself. Uh, but yeah, really cool. it was it was pretty early on in the run, and yeah, it doesn't the origin is is pretty arbitrary, and uh, you know, but hey, here we are. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as also another thing, I remember you even Mitch said he's like, "Do the listeners even like the drops?" I, as a fan, I think they're great. Um, wh- when did that begin? And like, do you are you continuing to do drops and as you make episodes? Oh yeah, I mean, I think we'll kind of keep these dumb traditions we've established going. They they probably they're things that probably alienate new listeners as much as they entertain uh listeners who've stuck with us for a while. But you know, it's they're sort of conventions of the podcast at this point, so. Yeah, we'll stick with the the Spoon Man drops, uh, him playing listener-submitted uh, audio clips, and then we'll stick with me uh, reading these, the, uh, the roasts where someone will send in an insult that I'll use to introduce Mitch every episode. Awesome. So speaking of your podcast, let's do some plugs for you. Where can our listeners find your podcast, uh, find you on social media, all that kind of stuff? Here's your opportunity. Uh yeah, I'm I'm just uh, at Nick Weiger on Twitter, and then our our podcast uh, Doughboys is at Doughboys Pod on Twitter or Doughboys on Facebook, and we have new episodes every Thursday. Uh, so check those out with whatever podcast listening app is your preference. Definitely, and if you like our show, listener, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. All of our handles are ABT Silence. So come hang out. We like to live stream the episodes on Fridays at 10 p.m. So you want to hang out and chat and see the podcast live by all means come hang out and uh we're also a part of a network almostbetter.net all sorts of good shows over there so go check it out again thanks so much nick hope to stay in touch with you and look forward to some more doughboys for 2018 hey kids stay in school <laughs>